Hello, and welcome to the podcast for Neighborhood Church. This message was given by Larry Vold. Find your sermon outline there in your bulletin, and let's take our Bibles out, please, and let's go to John chapter 1, please. John chapter 1, and if you're using that book rack Bible, you'll find that on page 1645, please. 1645. Everybody's Bible open, please. We're going to dig in this morning. I heard a cute story. You know, Christmas is just a few days away, right? Do I need to remind you of that? Well, I heard a story about a grandfather that, frankly, Christmas had just become a little overwhelming to him, and he's got all these grandkids and gifts, and just, it was just, he kind of came to the end of himself. He said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to write a check, and I'm going to give money to my kids and my grandkids, and, and, I, and then they can go buy their own gift. Well, that's a pretty, you know, natural thing to do. So he sat down, and, you know, he had a lot of cards to write, so he made it real simple. He just wrote on the card, buy your own gift. And then, you know, he did all the checks and he sealed up the envelopes and sent it off. And he didn't hear anything. Christmas came and went. Nobody said boo. Nobody said thank you or anything. And he couldn't figure out why until he walked into his study and turned over a page and there were all the checks <laughs> that were supposed to go in the envelopes. <laughs> Buy your own gift. <laughs> you know, and, and I think in that moment, I think that man was liberated. And I, I've got a brand new thought for Christmas this year. <laughs> All right, well, listen, it's Christmas Sunday. It's a fun Sunday to be together. It's wonderful to celebrate together. Christmas is not easy for everybody. And I know there's people here that are looking forward for Christmas to be over, you know, and uh, and because Christmas brings up a lot of hard memories, a lot of tough times. Maybe you're going through a really challenging thing today in your own life. And I just want to encourage you that the Lord understands all that. And a lot of what we celebrate in the cultural Christmas has nothing to do with the real message of Christmas. And I hope today in this little time together that the Lord will just speak to our hearts and open our hearts and, and see what he wants us to see in his word this morning. We've been following along a verse of scripture throughout a series that we've called The Light of the World. And, and the anchor point of this series is, is found in John 8, 12. And I want you to read it out loud with me together. This is from John 8, 12. We'll put it on the screen. And let's just read it with, with passion this morning. Jesus said this. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's an amazing, exclusive claim. Jesus did not say, I am a light in the world. He said, I am the light of the world. And we gathered today to celebrate that truth. And for the last three weeks, today being the fourth week, we've been looking at different themes of light from Scripture and what the light compels us into. And by God's grace, we've learned that, first of all, we are, we are able to see the light by God's grace. And we come to... Uh, Isaiah chapter 9, you remember the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. That was a prophetic scripture eight centuries before Jesus walked the earth. And today we recognize that if we've seen the light, it has been by God's grace that we've seen 
the light. And then secondly, it's by God's grace that we seek the light, that we keep coming into the light, not because our lives are perfect, but because we want to, like the Gospel of John points out, whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. We come back into the light daily, moment by moment, by God's grace. We see the light, we seek the light. And last week we looked at the grace of God in helping us to shine the light. And we know that the light, when it shines, affects social change in our culture. Uh, we looked at Isaiah 58.10 that says, if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will shine in the darkness and your night will become like noonday. So if, if your life feels a little dark today, maybe we're not spending ourselves on behalf of the hungry or satisfying the needs of the oppressed. So by God's grace, we see the light, we seek the light, we shine the light. And today we're gonna look at the beautiful picture of sharing the light. And I've chosen the Gospel of John as our narrative this morning because it is such a unique uh, picture of the birth of Christ or the incarnation of Christ. Uh, unlike the synoptic Gospels of Luke and Matthew where we find more of the detail of the localized, uh, the people that were involved in the local setting of Christ's birth, Mary, Joseph, the wise men, the shepherds. Uh, Herod, the angels, all of that in the synoptic gospels. But here in the gospel of John, we have this rather um, cosmic view, if I could even use that word. It's a, it's a picture that is huge. It's sort of the aperture opens up and we see this picture of who Christ is from the heavenly realm. The fact that he's come, from us, come to us from God who is God and he displays his glory among us. And this is a beautiful, a beautiful picture that we read of Christ here in this passage. So I would like us to read it together and in honor of God's word, if you have strength to do so, would you stand with me this morning as we read it? Beginning in verse one. We're gonna read through 18 verses, so hang on, here we go. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing has been made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. But the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light. So that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. 
From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Very, very good. God bless you. You may sit down. Well, that's quite a passage of scripture. It's called the prologue. It's the introduction of John's gospel to the life of Christ that begins shortly after that in terms of his public ministry. And here in this short section of scripture, I find no less than four amazing portraits of Christ that I want to share with you and that I hope will motivate you as it motivates me to share his light And the first one is in verses 1 through 5 and also a little bit in verse 9 where we learn there that Jesus shines. Just say it, he shines. Jesus shines. Wow, does he shine. John gives us some insight in the opening verses about some of the things that really shine about Jesus. For example, he begins by establishing Jesus' pre-existence. I take for granted that most of us, or hopefully all of us, realize that when Jesus was born in Bethlehem to the young Virgin Mary, it was not then that Jesus began to exist. John reminds us here in his gospel that Jesus had no beginning. It says in the beginning, but that word arche in the Greek language literally means uh, a timeless eternity. In timeless eternity, Jesus came to us. That's amazing. It does not mean that he began at his birth, but that he comes and we see him at his birth. Remember the prophecies of the Old Testament where it says in Isaiah, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the eternal timeless one. Further, John reveals Jesus by calling him the Word. And he reveals Jesus' deity here with this beautiful word, this Greek word, logos, which perhaps some of you have heard before. To the Hebrew, the word means the self-assertion of who God is, God's revelation of himself. To the Greek, the word logos means the reason or rationale or purpose of God himself. To either Hebrew or Greek, Anyone who would hear the word logos would know that Jesus, if he is the logos, would be the complete revelation of God himself. In fact, look back at the text down to verse 18 where it says no one is seeing God but God the one and only, and that's referring to the logos there, to Christ, who is at the Father's side has made what? Him known. Jesus reveals to us the Father. Jesus reveals to us the Father. Now, John's intent is to help us to see that both in substance and essence, Jesus is, while distinct from the Father, co-equal with the Father. That's John's intent. Later in the Gospel of John, he will also explain how the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is co-equal with both Father and Son. And this opens up for us the beautiful imagery all through Scripture of the triune God that we worship today. Not an easy concept to understand. Nevertheless, it's a beautiful and biblical concept, one that has been defended by Orthodox faith all along since the beginning, since the apostles wrote Scripture and since Jesus Christ walked this earth. 
John restates all this in verse 2 where he says he was with God in the beginning in this timeless eternity. And then look at verse 3. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing has been made that was made. Now the word made there, egoneto, from the Greek means not a process but an event, a moment in time. For those of us that love the exactness of Scripture, this helps us to see that creation came in a moment. God spoke the universe into existence. That's amazing to me. And God did that through the creative agency of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the, created, the creative agency of God. It's amazing. Jesus is the creator in terms of all that takes place. You say, oh, I never understood that before. Well, let me put a verse of scripture, and we can look at dozens of these, but let me show you some common ones. Colossians chapter 1, 15 and 16. Let's read it out loud together. Ready? Here we go. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together." Wow, that's a mouthful. If you have uh, in your own notes or in your own Bibles, you would note that where it says firstborn over creation, again, the word prototokos in the Greek meaning preeminent over. Jesus doesn't enter creation by being created. Jesus comes into his creation as the timeless pre-existing one. And not only does he come into creation in terms of being timeless, he is the maker of creation. That's what Colossians tells us. In fact, Hebrews 1 corroborates that truth where he says, where it says of him, of whom he appointed heir of over all things and through whom, speaking of Christ, he, God, the Father, made the universe, Hebrews 1, 2. So talk about shining. What we learn here in these first opening verses of John's prologue is that Jesus is the preexistent one equal and co-equal to the Father, the one whose power and rule spoke the universe into existence, and we're afraid to bring God our problems. We're afraid to come to Jesus when we're struggling with something in our lives. Listen, you, you are speaking to the timeless, pre-existent, co-equal with the Father, the one who is the ruler and reign, who reigns over all creation because it is his creation. It is created for him, by him, and what an amazing truth that is. Jesus shines. And his shining is the light to all men. Look at that in verse 5. Here we learn that Christ Jesus is the life that is the light of all men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. You know, there's one thing about light. When light shines, it, it dispels darkness. I remember on a hunting trip years ago, a friend of mine brought along a very weird object. He says, hey, one night we're going to have a bonfire and I'm going to show you something that you've never seen before. I said, well, that sounds exciting. So he, he comes on this hunting trip and he pulls out of his, you know, stuff that he brought on the trip a Volkswagen engine block. I know that sounds weird, but he says, let's get the fire going. So we start this big fire and he throws this engine block after it got really good and hot. He throws this engine block on the fire. I'm going, what's up with this? He goes, well, an engine block is, this engine block is made out of magnesium, a magnesium alloy. And when it burns, it really, it does something really interesting. Well, so we're watching this thing and it takes about an hour before all of a sudden it ignites. Have you ever tried to, you know, start metal on fire? Well, it takes a little while to get going. But once that thing got going, oh my goodness, 
It was like a light I have never seen in my life. I mean, I kid you not, if you were in a passenger jet flying over at 30,000 feet, you would have said, I didn't know there was a city down there. I mean, it was crazy. And we laughed. We were standing 100 feet away from this, you know, with sunglasses on, you know. And, and we even contemplated going out hunting that night. It was so bright out. Well, whatever of that story might be offensive to you, and I realized, I didn't know at the time, we probably burned a hole in the ozone the size of this church. I don't know. And I've asked the Lord to forgive me for that, you know, since. I didn't know. And I've never done it since. But it was just, it was a striking reminder to me. Every time I think about brilliant light, I think of that night in that canyon deep in the mountains of Utah. And how that light can't be compared to any other light I've ever seen. What John is telling us here is that Jesus is that light that is unlike any other light you have ever seen. He is a light that gives to each one of us our purpose for living. Look at verse 9. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. You know, that's an expression of finally finding your purpose, finally understanding why you're here, finally understanding what God made you to be and what God wants you to be. And there may be some of us here this morning that are going through life. We're on the treadmill of life. We get up, we go to work, we come home, we watch a little TV, we eat some dinner, we you know, spend a little time with our family, we go to bed, we get up, we do the same thing over and over and over and over again. And we wonder why our lives feel so dead and empty. But the light of Jesus, when he shines upon us, it changes everything in our lives. We have a hope and a purpose. Our lives are on a new direction. We realize that every day is a gift. We have something that we can be doing for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We know that life has its ups and downs and I've been in many valleys myself but what pulls me out of the valley is to realize that God alone is the bright shining light of my life. And I can walk again. I can trust him again no matter what's going on in my life. Because he is the one true light that shines. You know, over these last few uh, days, we've been presenting the gospel through this musical. And I just, man, I've got a bunch of stories in my mind. But it just strikes me how when people really see the light, how it transforms their lives. I've talked to people out there in our lobby where tears running down their faces. And it's, it's not the beauty of the pageant. It's not the cleverness or the pageantry or even the words of the speaker it's simply the gospel message presenting Jesus and God is using that to open the hearts of people that he's drawing that he wants them to see who he is and once we see that light everything in life changes and maybe today that's a need for you and the reality is you know you can't even choose it really for yourself however if you sense in your heart that the Lord is speaking to you and the pieces are coming together in your mind like, I, I get it, the Lord is my light and I've been being religious but I haven't been following him and there's not real purpose in my life and suddenly these things are happening. I would implore you to place your faith in Jesus, to name him as your savior and to follow him with your life. And as you do that, you will discover the beauty of a transformed life. You talk about, man, I think about earnest, addictions dealt with. 20 years of a pattern in life that all he knew was is to go back to the substance and go back to the way, the life he knew. And that's the way a lot of us operate, even if we don't end up in jail, even if we don't end up with a substance abuse. And yet we're all just a step away from self-destruction in our lives. 
And many of us actually are on a course of self-destruction because we are refusing the light. And by God's grace, if he's opening the light to you this morning, let him shine on your life. Shine, Jesus, shine. And let the light come into your heart. The second thing I see about Jesus in this passage, not only does he shine, but he sends. Say that with me. He sends. Well, I see that in verses 6 through 9. There came a man who was sent from John, uh, from God. His name was John. And this gets a little confusing to us because John the Apostle is writing the Gospel of John. But now he's going to talk about John the Baptizer. So it gets a little confusing. So John's talking about John the Baptizer. He came as a witness, verse 7, to testify concerning the light so that through him all men might believe. Now John knew something about himself. Look at verse 8. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. We see later in the gospel, right in the first chapter here, where the people from Jerusalem come out and they ask John if he was the Christ. And he says, no, I'm not. I am the one who is making straight the way of the Lord, verse 23. John knew who he was and he knew he wasn't the Christ. And by the way, that is a great revelation for all of us. I know who I am and I'm not God. You know, that's the way we ought to be thinking about things every day. I'm not the Savior. There is a Savior. His name is Jesus. And we serve him and we love him and we follow him, but he's the Savior. And we let him save people. We let him bring conviction to people's lives. But nevertheless, he sends us. Later in the Gospel of John, the third chapter, the 30th verse, John the baptizer said about Christ, he said, he must become greater and I must become less. That's a good reminder as to who we are as followers of Christ. Lord, you become greater in my life and I become less and less so that people see more of you. We are sent by him, just like John. I think of my own life and I think, I want to see my life the way John saw the baptizer. There was, a, there was a man who came from God. His name was Frank, or her name was Susan. And he or she was not the light, but came as, as a witness of the light, to testify of the light. So every day we have the opportunity to testify, to tell people about who Christ is in our lives. First John, the apostle writes in his letter, First John chapter 1, verse 1, we'll put it on the screen, read it with me out loud. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. Jesus about us said in John 17, he's speaking to his heavenly father, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them, the them there is you and me, his apostles, his disciples, and those who would follow Christ. As the Father has sent me, John 20, 21, Jesus said, so I'm sending you. And who is he sending us to? He's sending us to our families, to our friends, to our coworkers. I heard an interesting story of someone that came to the program last night. One of our um, staff people had been inviting someone for years to come to Christmas and just witness it, and they've never come. But this year, they have a granddaughter, now two years old, and when they heard the invitation, this person said, oh, I, I need to bring my granddaughter. So she comes last night with her granddaughter. And I didn't know this story till after the service last night, but it struck me because I actually 
remember when the last scene culminates with the birth of Christ, of course, it's a beautiful scene, and there's little baby Jesus and Mary and Joseph holding him. It's a tender, beautiful, serene moment. And then the curtain closes, and I come out, and we talk about what that scene means and what it represents. And as I was coming out and the curtain was closing, I heard a little child say, no, baby Jesus. Well, I found out that this was the little girl that I'm about to hear about and tell you about. So this little gal was so touched, two years old, so touched by the story of the gospel, so touched by the life of Jesus, she goes home and she builds a little manger scene in her living room with her little doll. Her family doesn't know Christ. And I'm wondering, hmm, and a little child will lead them. Two-year-old, see the light? Already gets it? Shine the light? Share the light. It's a beautiful picture. I think about my own life. Who does Jesus send me to? Well, to my family, to my friends, to people that I meet in the community, acquaintances, people that maybe we'll never know personally but bump into somewhere, have an opportunity to tell the story. And it just touches me that when we get it, we say, I got to share it. I, I met another woman last, yesterday afternoon after the performance. Um, she came running up to me in the lobby and she, she was a, a believer in Christ. A friend of hers had invited her to come. She's never been. She comes from the valley. She comes in and she watches the program and she runs up to me afterwards. Her whole family was with us, with her. And she said, I had no idea. I've got someone that has to see this program. And she said, I know you've said all the tickets are gone, but I've got to bring. She has an international student that she's been sharing Christ with, and she just believes that through the visual and seeing the story, it'll give her a beautiful entree to talk about what she's been sharing already with the student. And right there, someone had a ticket available. And we got it hooked up, and boom, right there. She couldn't believe it. She was so excited. So she'll be here tonight with this international student, and she is so excited. And I thought to myself, wow. Do we get as excited about that? Do I get as excited? Here's an opportunity. How many people do I walk by? How many people do I know that I could invite? Not just to a program like what we're doing. That's not the point. I'm talking about into a church service or into a conversation about the love of Jesus. And we walk by and we say, maybe not today, maybe tomorrow. He shines. He sends. He also, verses 10 through 13, he saves. He also saves. Say that with me. This is as basic as it gets, but would you look at verse 10? He came into the world, though the world was made through him. The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. This, I take great comfort in this because I have been turned down many times in my faith journey. I've shared Christ with people and they just brush me on. Ah, no thanks. Not interested. Um, I've had people slam the door on me. You know, when we, we've done street ministry, door-to-door ministry. I've had people curse me. I've had people tell me to go to, you know, where. I've had all kinds of things where people have just sort of confronted and said, no thanks, get out of my face, whatever. I get it. I understand that. But it can be discouraging. As a pastor, sometimes I think, wow, it is so discouraging. If I feel discouraged, what about some of us who 
The ministry is not necessarily your calling. You, you, know, you may feel out of your depth in terms of sharing biblical knowledge or whatnot. And by the way, don't let that be an excuse. All you need is the story of God touching your heart to tell somebody else about. Nevertheless, you can get so discouraged. And if this could just be a blessing to somebody here today, recognize that Jesus came into a world, a world that he created, and to a people that he came to for their salvation, and they said, no thanks. I take encouragement from that. And yet there were some, just like today, there are some. Not everybody will follow Christ, but to whomever God has drawn, oh, in the right moment, maybe we're planting seeds in a conversation, maybe our loving act of random kindness is just paving the way. Maybe in that service that we invited them to, nothing seemed to connect But down the road, in the hospital waiting room, in the throes of life, they will recall the message of the gospel and it may be in that moment that the Spirit of God says, come on. So don't be discouraged, beloved. We serve a God, watch this, we serve the Lord Jesus who shines, who sends, and who saves. He saves And by the way, I think verse 13 is the most declarative statement, maybe in all God's word, about the sovereign election of God himself, where we are not born of natural descent or of a human decision or of a husband's will, but born of, say it with me, God. And so don't get too clever and think, wow, I figured all this out. You didn't. God's grace opened your eyes to see your need for the gospel in Jesus Christ and he gave you the faith to believe. And so you spend the rest of your life like I do, praising the God of heaven who showed us his son. He not only shines, sends, saves, lastly, quickly, he, he satisfies. Oh, does he satisfy. I love this last little section He's full of grace and truth, verses 15 and following. From his fullness, verse 16, we have all received one blessing after another. In the Greek translation, this literally reads, grace in exchange for grace. In other words, when one supply of grace is exhausted, guess what? Another one becomes immediately available. How deep do you, say, do you think the supply of God's grace really is? How deep? It's, it's limitless. Grace upon grace. Blessing upon blessing. This is the gospel, beloved. This is what God has done. No one has ever seen the Father except the one who is from God, Jesus said in John 6, 46. And in John 5, 23, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Listen, Jesus reveals the Father and in doing so, he becomes our complete satisfaction. He is our Savior, our satisfier. Have you been satisfied today? Have you come to drink from the water of life? Jesus said, he who drinks from me will never thirst again. He who eats my bread will never hunger again. He alone satisfies. That's my Jesus. And that's your Jesus too, if you know him. He shines. He sends. He saves. He satisfies. Don't you think that's worth sharing about?
Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for this truth of the gospel. It's a mystery to us. We glory in it. Lord, if you brought someone to this service today that no matter what their background, maybe been around Christian, Christians or Christianity all their lives, or just recently have been exposed and you brought them to this service today to reveal to them their need for a Savior, their need to be forgiven of sin. And if by grace today, Lord Jesus, you have brought someone to receive you, to accept this gift of life, to as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. That's what our text says today. And if that's you, my friend, you can open your heart and you can receive Jesus Christ right now by faith. It's a supernatural work of God. You maybe can't even explain it, but you know it's true. And today you can embrace the Savior. Right where you sit, you can pray, Lord Jesus, forgive my sins and come into my life. And give me a new life in you. And if that's you, wherever you are today in this auditorium or wherever you're listening, God has heard your prayer. Follow him, trust him, live for him. Lord Jesus, thank you for bringing us to this place today. Thank you for the message of Christmas, regardless of how we celebrate it or don't celebrate it. May the message be something we celebrate daily and we'll give you praise for all that you'll do and all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to ask our ushers to make their way forward in this final moment of reflection. Let's give a liberal gift today. It's a beautiful opportunity to support Salvation Army. Everyone, let's remain also just in this place. We're not dismissing the service, but the offering is going to be received at this time. And then we're just going to reflect on his goodness as we sing praise to the Lord. So Lord, we just bring this, these gifts to you, Lord. Be pleased. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear additional messages or you're interested in finding out more about Neighborhood Church, please visit our website at threecrosses.org. That's the number three, crosses.org.